0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God is in the business of bringing life from death. And that is the good news that we have this Pentecost day, that our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, breathes life into things that are really and truly dead. And that's what we hear this morning from our Old Testament reading, the prophet Ezekiel witnessing God's life-giving activity. Now, Ezekiel had witnessed a lot in his life. He had been called by God as a prophet to warn Judea that their pride and idolatry would eventually lead to God's judgment. He called the Judeans to repent of their sin, to turn back to God, but they continued to rely on a false sense of security. After all, they were God's chosen people and they had the temple in Jerusalem, the place of God's presence. So they thought they were fine. But Ezekiel witnesses the monumental moment of God withdrawing his presence from the temple, which could mean only one thing, that the time had come for his people to suffer the fate that they had brought upon themselves, the end result of all the physical and spiritual destruction that they pursued by their sin. And so Ezekiel witnesses The Babylonian army lay siege to Jerusalem and destroy it and take the once proud Judeans into exile and captivity. But God wasn't done with them and he wasn't done with Ezekiel either. It was in exile that Ezekiel's ministry continued. He brought God's word to those who now lived in a foreign and hostile land. And, And that's precisely where our Old Testament reading comes in today. It's at a time in Ezekiel's life and the life of God's people when all seems quite desperately and hopelessly lost. The hand of the Lord brings Ezekiel to the middle of a valley full of death, where there seems to be the aftermath of an intense battle. The ground is completely covered with bones, the remains of those who perished but were never buried. Perhaps, although we don't know this for sure, but perhaps this is the place of the final battle of the Judeans against the Babylonians. Perhaps the bones that are are left are all that is everything that Ezekiel once knew and loved. Whatever the case, Ezekiel notes that the bones weren't just dry, they were very dry. And that's when God asks him, son of man, can these bones live? Which is an interesting question because anyone could see that the answer is quite obviously not. How can anything that is so very dead come back to life? But Ezekiel has the good sense not to answer. Instead, he wisely allows God to provide the answer. "O Lord God, he says, you know. God then tells Ezekiel that he wants him to prophesy to the dead bones, saying, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, I'd like you to think for just a moment how absurd that must have seemed. How can a prophet prophesy into ears that do not exist? How can something that had been so dead now receive God's word? And yet Ezekiel obeys. And so he speaks. And that's when there was a rattling, but not just a rattling, something more like an earthquake, as it says in the Hebrew. Thousands upon thousands of lifeless skeletons being shaken and stitched together by the power of the word of God. Just imagine what that would have been like to witness with your own eyes. But something is missing. Life is not yet complete because the breath of God, the spirit of God, is not in them. So God has Ezekiel prophesy one more time and God breathes his life-giving breath into their bodies just as he did with Adam and Eve at creation. And that is the moment that they are truly alive. Rank upon rank of an exceedingly great army now stands before Ezekiel. And God goes on to explain the meaning of all this. Ezekiel was living among the exiles who were worse than dead. In exile, they were very dead. They were saying among themselves, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. In other words, not only were they facing the reality of physical death, but they were facing the reality of being cut off from God and from his salvation. No one would even dare to ask such an absurd question as can these bones live again? Because to them, they already knew the answer. But God was instructing Ezekiel to provide them a different answer, an answer that only He could provide. He instructed Ezekiel to speak the word of the Lord into ears that were previously not there. In their past sin and idolatry, the Judeans were deaf to what the Lord had to say, but something that had been so dead was now receiving God's life-giving word once again. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. God was promising to return his people from the grave of exile and to bring them back to life in the land of Israel. This would be their resurrection and their salvation. And the spirit was going to breathe new life into them. They would not be arrogant and prideful like they once were. But rather they would be a humble remnant awaiting the fulfillment of God's ancient promise. The promise of of eternal salvation, the promise of a Savior, the Christ. And so it was about 500 years later that God's Son, the Son of Man, would enter our world, would enter our valley of very dry bones, And here he encountered the aftermath of an intense battle, not a battle of swords and shields, but rather a battle of sin and spirit. And he looked out and he saw the earth littered with the remains of all those who perished, our remains Ever since that moment of rebellion in the garden and every moment until today, the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve have lived under the curse of our own sin, the reality spoken by God thousands of years ago, from dust you have been made and to dust you shall return. Our bones were very dry and we didn't even have the ability to ask, let alone answer, An absurd question such as, can these bones live? How could we? When all we see around us are the results of our sin, all the pain and the disease and the suffering and the death in this world, our hope was lost and we were indeed cut off from God and from our salvation. Yet Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, brought with him a different answer. An answer that only he could provide. Obeying his father's will, he came to be and to speak the word of God, bringing that word to us who were very dead. And although he spoke to those who had no ears to hear and no life to be found, he breathed in us his Holy Spirit so that we may live again. But then Jesus was killed. Those who were so deaf to what he was saying couldn't bear risking listening to him anymore, and so they put him on a cross as an example to all those who would dare point to life from death. But that's exactly what Jesus did anyway, even in his death, because he provided his life in exchange for ours. And then, Jesus overcame death. And what's more, he said that he would come back and do the same for you. The word of God says to you as he says to the Judeans, I will open your grave on the day of the resurrection and I will raise you from your grave. Your sinews and flesh and skin and bones will be put together again imperishable and I will breathe my life-giving spirit into you and you shall live and you shall know that I In the Lord on that day what was once very dead will now be very much alive you will see the words of Job come to pass who said for I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed yet in my flesh I shall see God you O child of God, have been given this certain hope of your own life from death, which will come on the last day. And what's more, you can be certain of this hope because you have already been raised to life from death in your baptism. It was there in your baptism that Jesus provided you the answer that only he can provide the question, can your bones live? And the answer Christ gave to you was yes. Your old, dead, sinful self was drowned. And you came out of those waters alive, full of the life-giving Spirit of God. And so now you know that when Jesus does return, your body and soul will forever be alive, forever have the life-giving breath of God, because the Holy Spirit is now and forever will be at work in you. You see, that's what we celebrate this day of Pentecost. The day that the Spirit descended upon the disciples, who were then led to proclaim the mighty works of God. Because the same Spirit who breathed life into Adam and Eve at creation. The same spirit who breathed life into that great army of dry bones for Ezekiel. The same spirit who breathed life into Jesus as he was raised from the dead. The same spirit who breathed life into the church at Pentecost. He is the same spirit who through your baptism brings you new life right now. And he is the same spirit who will breathe resurrected life into your dry bones when Jesus returns again. In fact, I think it's fair to say that the Holy Spirit really enjoys providing the absurd answer to that absurd question, can these very dry and very dead bones live? And amazingly, when the answer seems like it has to be no, over and over again, He says yes. Now these days, we may be tempted to lose sight of that fact. Because the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit seems to run completely contrary to the world in which we live. After all, this world is still a world permeated by death. And we are all well aware of the physical dangers that still exist in this world, despite all of our so-called scientific advancements. We are not so safe as we often like to think we are. And when it comes to our spiritual safety, as Pastor Tom so faithfully preached about last week, there is only one place and one person to turn to for true safety. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. But how many people nowadays close their ears and harden their hearts? How many people cut themselves off from the life-giving Word of God and from the church where, the, where God's word and sacraments are found and freely given? How many people simply excuse Jesus Christ out of their lives acting as if he's a take-it-or-leave-it commodity? And what do we, the church, think As we approach a world like this, a world that is so obviously suffering, that is so obviously dying, that is so obviously dead and dry without God a world that is increasingly hostile to the word of God, a world that seeks to justify itself with self-righteous acts of cancel culture and progressive wokeness, a world that sees no need for a God who has chosen to love and save them because in their minds, they do not need saving. Do we, the body of Christ, think that we can only wring our hands and shake our heads and assume that it's only a matter of time until the last person leaves the sanctuary and turns off the light and locks the door for one last time? This afternoon, I have the humble privilege of being installed as Christ our King's next pastor. And it's only natural that there are certain expectations that a church has of, a, of her new pastor. Expectations for the present as well as for the future. And not all expectations are bad or wrong. As my call documents summarize, you have called me by the power and authority of our triune God to administer the word of God in its full truth and purity and to administer the holy sacraments in accordance with their divine institution. And by the grace of God this afternoon, I will assent to do just that. But a pastor is not a savior, and a pastor is not a life giver. That is a power that is reserved only to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Only He can bring life from death. And make no mistake, we are dead. We are metaphorically, and in some cases quite literally, in a valley of death, a valley of dry bones. Our sin has killed us and nothing that you or I can ever do can make ourselves alive again. Ezekiel couldn't do that. Pastor Tom can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. But we aren't meant to. We, like Ezekiel, know not to answer when it's God's turn to speak. And thanks be to God, he has answered emphatically time and time again. He says, like he said to the Judeans in exile, and like Christ said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, I will breathe my spirit upon you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. A pastor's solemn duty and privilege is not to bring something of himself to his church as if that's what they need. No, a pastor's solemn duty and privilege is to bring his people the life-giving grace of God through word and sacraments so that the dead and dry bones of sinners, including your bones and including my bones, can be certain that they will in fact live. For 28 years, you have been faithfully served by your shepherd, Pastor Tom who has done just that, pointing you to the life-giving cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. And by the grace of God, so may I. This Pentecost Day, we are reminded that the Holy Spirit is still in the business of providing life where there is only death. He provides return, where there is only exile. He provides a resurrection, where there is only the grave. He provides salvation, where there is only condemnation. He provides forgiveness, where there is only sin. He provides hope, where there is only despair. He provides and points us always to Jesus, who is the only answer For a world permeated with death. And then, may we who have been personally revived by the life won for us by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, may we be ambassadors to a world that so desperately needs this life-giving word of God just as the Holy Spirit enabled the apostles on Pentecost to share that life-giving message in all languages to all nations, may we do the same. Can these bones live? The Lord God knows the answer, and he has done it for you. In Jesus' name, amen.